Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, folks, before we get started tonight, I would just like to tell you all about the new Heart and Hand app, which has just launched. And for those of you who had the old one, it's been redesigned, completely done, so you just need to update that uh, in your settings if you go to the App Store or whatever one you use. Uh, it should the, the update should take place automatically. But for everyone else, if you haven't used it, it's an excellent little bit of kit. One of the great things about working with a company like Playback is all their technical boffins, and uh, they have come up with a, a fantastic new app for us. Loads of great content on it, and obviously you can listen to the podcast on it. Uh, there's also from time to time a little bit of exclusive content on there as well so it's it's a good thing to have in your arsenal uh, you get news about Rangers you'll be able to go to the Heart and Hand social media pages from there it's a fantastic thing and you'll be able to go and get it easily enough if you just go to app.ibroxrocks.com that's app.ibroxrocks.com and there it will be Welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, the second show this week from the Heart and Hand flagship production area. And uh, joining me to discuss uh, an excellent win over Aberdeen is uh, the returning Mr. Alex Staff. Hello, Alex. Hi, David. How are you doing? Uh, doing better than, than I was on Monday when we spoke. And that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted you on tonight, Alex, because it, it did strike me that you've been sort of, you've been the red adair of the pod. We've brought you on after... Uh, many of the calamitous moments this season um, and asked you to firefight a little bit. So I thought, you know what? Uh, if anyone deserves a, a bit of a reward for their persistence and, and a performance, then it's you. And, and Alex, I, look, to get right into it, because we've got a lot to cover in this and this is a shorter show, but, I, you know, I really, that was one of those performances where I thought, you know, we deserve that and thank you to the team for giving us that because it was one of those occasions where our backs were against the wall we weren't really expecting it and not only did they deliver a win which would always have been nice but they delivered a cuffing against a hated rival and a performance as well and they did it on a big stage in a live game on a Wednesday night and you know it was I felt one of those kind of special nights and memorable nights that sort of live on a little bit Spot on, yeah. Um, I, I do agree with that. That was a Rangers performance. Agreed. Um, for for you know that sort of term, that just one of those times it's not supposed to go that way. You just think it, we maybe underplay it slightly when 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 we get this. But if you think about last night, we were missing our captain, we're missing our most talented midfielder, we're missing our top goal scorer. We're getting there without a permanent manager. We're having to play the nineteen-year-old centre half who's not even played 10 first team games for yet in midfield wow isn't that amazing see, see when you're saying that I will come to that but god you think about that McCrory and, and the maturity with which he played but but yeah, we, we, yeah. We, uh, we'll come back to that but but go on yeah yeah. we've also got Carlos Pena who's written off by most seemingly written off by the management team up until last night as well not by us not by us no no we were calling for that one so we'll just take the credit where it's due <laughs> 
<laughs> but, but you know, like all of that combined up against an Aberdeen team where we're told, you know, we've been told for last season and this season they're a better squad than we are. We've got Derek McInnes coming in as the seeming heir to the throne at Rangers, who looked very much out for and out for last night, his team. And yeah, it wasn't supposed to go like that. It was not supposed to go like that at all. Not only did we win, we won well. And we didn't win well because they were poor. We didn't win well through luck. That was a completely deserved scalping. For me, the key difference is we've started the two games that we lost that precipitated this sort of mood of crisis. The same way, I felt that you know there wasn't a significant difference. We we started both those games more so Hamilton, but I, I thought against Dundee as well as the better side. The difference, and this is maybe overly simplistic, and if so, you know, you, you by all means tell me. I just thought the difference was we got a goal, and rather than than lose the first goal and, for want of a better term, you know, shit the bed, which is what's been happening, we got the first goal and then said, right, okay, this is our game, and took the game by the scruff of the neck. Aberdeen, I thought, were fortunate to get in at half time, just the two down. In all honesty, the second half there was that dip, and you could sense from the crowd that we expected there to be that dip. But having watched the game back this morning, it's interesting because I did a did a show on uh, Patreon and uh, I did you know the the YouTube chat after the game and I, and I mentioned that when you watch the game back without the heart and the mouth, you know, and you know what's happening, you can maybe see things slightly differently because when you're watching at the time, every time they come into your half, <laughs> it's, it's you know ah, but. They didn't really threaten an awful lot. Uh, if anything, they had slightly better chances in the first half when I felt we were more dominant. But in the second half, they didn't really they, they didn't really cause as much bother in that spell. However, territorially, I thought they were starting to get a foothold till uh, you know, and we were dropping deeper, and that did concern me uh, last night. And it, it, you know, you're watching it, you were think you could see us dropping further and further back. But then we got the third goal, and that ended it as a contest. Yeah, you're right. The third goal was slightly against the run of play. Um, they didn't really create anything that... I don't remember Fodderingham having to make a great save at all in the second half. No, he didn't. Um, but from set pieces, as we kind of knew was going to come, they were uh, very strong. They're a big, strong physical side and they've got players who can whip a good ball in. So um, we knew the set pieces would be a bit of a threat and that, that proved to be the case. Aside from... Yeah, the first half, they definitely created better chances. Taverniers had to clear one off the line. Mm. <clears throat> Fodderingham got a bit of luck when he came out against Stevie May for that one. He was through. Um, and then Gary McKay-Steven decided to, to kick the ground first, which was kind of lucky as well, because that was a good chance. But, yeah, the second half, they didn't create much. They got a lot of the ball, didn't create much. We got a third goal when the game was done. That was it. It was finished. We, we played it out like, you know, a, a good, confident, strong side does. Um and it was, uh, it was funny watch it. Don't forget as well, just for sheer comedy moments, Bruno Alves was that good last night that even when he wasn't looking, he was defending perfectly. Yes. When they bounced off the back of his head. That perfectly was, to that Ryan was a Jack. beautiful moment. Oh, it was, it was outstanding. That's eyes in the back of the head stuff from him. But, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I didn't think watching last night, and it was reaffirmed by, by a second look, that it wasn't even that we had anyone who was not bad. Everyone was above that. Everyone was seven seven out of ten or above. And I was delighted just, just for the application. They all won their personal battles, with the exception of that fifteen minute period at the start of second half, which is something that, you know, is a recurring theme and will need to be looked at. Although you could argue that it, you know, it's expected if a team's two 0 down, especially a half decent side, they're going to come out against you. But we were first to the second ball all the time. I mean, in the first half, it was constant. If there was a loose ball, it was a Rangers player that was coming onto it. And, you know, they, they played with an aggression and they played with a fire to you know, romanticise it. You know, we, we try and break it down technically, but sometimes it's the intangibles. They played with a fire last night, Alex, that, that we haven't seen from them in big matches for goodness knows how long. Yeah, um, we, we, we all questioned it, you know, there wasn't too many fans getting into that game, if any Rangers fans getting into that game yesterday, confident about it. And that was mainly because, regardless of the fact that we know there's a bit of talent in the squad, we've all questioned their desire. We've all questioned just, just what sort of heart do they have? Have they got the, the pride there? And then you see the starting team, uh, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, um, which was the very definition of makeshift. And people who think that Carlos Pena 
doesn't want to be here there he is starting the game a big game against Aberdeen you know that sort of fear just grows uh, but every single one of them you're right every one of them just really wanted it last night yeah. it was almost I don't know it was almost as if they decided Ryan Jack you know there's no way we're going to lose this for him today or something like that it was just something something extra about it mm. possibly do you know what it could possibly be the, the speculation surrounding McInnes and you know just a little bit of kind of showing him who's uh, who's the daddy really yeah uh, well I'm going to do a mea culpa and quite happily do so because on Monday night we were concerned about Graham Murty after uh, his interview the other night. And I think we were right to be, you know, I mean, that wasn't just a disappointed manager. It wasn't a run-of-the-mill interview. It was one where like, the guy looked absolutely shattered and emotionally distressed. Um, and I wondered, how the hell can this guy turn it round? You know, Hoggy speculated, you know, the players would react in a negative way. But, but clearly they didn't. And, you know, maybe, and this is great for the future because um, I'd like to think... I have no evidence of this, but I'd like to think that they saw that and saw what they were doing to a decent guy, and decided, "Now nah, we're not, we're not doing that again." And, you know, he, we owe him this. And I also want to praise Graham Murty for his tactical decisions, which I thought, you know, when I heard the team beforehand and I heard from a journalist that it was a diamond because it looked like a five-three-two or a three-five-two, you know, however you want to, however you want to term that. But looking at it, I was like, Windass up front. McCrory and the base of a diamond penny at the tip. You know what the hell is this? And it was perfect. So it, it, you know, I'd buy a hat to doff it to Graham Murty because uh, as bad as things were at Dundee, he turned it one eighty with an excellent managerial performance. Where not only did he get a response from the players, he got his tactical decisions right. He got his substitutions right. And I think you know after having borne the criticism, which was coming his way, which was deserved. I mean, I I'm not saying that we go back and we say, "Oh, we were totally wrong." But if you get the if you get the slagging and you get the criticism, the brickbats and the bows and arrows, then you deserve the praise when things go well. And I thought last night Graham Murty had an almost perfect night in the dugout. Yeah, it was um, no no mistakes at all. Even the the substitution. Of Pena in 65, a couple of guys sitting in front of me were slightly disappointed by that because he'd been playing well, but we had to change shape, you know, just to get a kind of foothold back in the game and the way Aberdeen were playing. Perfect, excellent. He brought on Candace. We went, we moved Windass wide, served Miller up top, and we started to get our foot back on the ball a bit better. Um, he got everything right. Everything that we've, everything that we've complained about beforehand, was was all dispelled in that one performance. Now. I know, you know, to put a slightly negative slant on it, it's only one game, but we we didn't think this squad or Graham Murray had that in them. No. We, we didn't think that. So um, it's, it's nice to see that it is possible. Um, and, yeah, hey, you may as well enjoy that one game, even if that's all it's going to be. Absolutely. You may as well have the feeling, the, the good feeling from that. Yeah, that's I think, a, um, unapologetically sorry. positive after, after that, and, and we deserve it. Us fans deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, just to slightly go back on your point, you said that you would like to think that everyone saw what they were doing to the guy and they reacted um, positively. It was rather telling last night that straight after the game you had Jonathan yeah, Hansen's wife, you had Alice Hedworth who works on Rangers TV, you know, it was really, uh, really happy for these two, really happy for this guy, you know, the tweets about Marty and Johansson and stuff like that. Um, there, there, I think somewhere there has been a, a feeling of, like, Come on, for guys, let's let's get a finger out because we're, we're actually breaking him here, mm. you know. Um, and and the players responded really well. And Jesus Christ, Jason Holt, I think might have fought everybody in the stadium if it meant he'd get the three points. Um, he was he would really epitomise just that sheer desire in the team. Uh, never stop moving, never stop booting. Kenny McLean will be wondering why he wants to sign for his amount of times he get rattled by Jason Hole. Mm. Um, and just, I thought excellently on that on that uh, on that note. I thought excellently combined with uh, Ryan Jack, who was similar. Ryan Jack was not not losing that match last night. It just was not going to happen. And obviously there's a ex club thing, but it was interesting that the Aberdeen fans, you know, tried the we're going to boom every time he touches the ball. After 20 minutes, they weren't booing him anymore because. Uh, it was pointless. That guy was was in the zone. Yeah, yeah, he, he won that battle on and off the park. They they lost the heart to to boom very very quickly. 
because it was pretty clear like, he was just going to win everything anyway. He absolutely scalped their midfield last night. Um, really, really great performance. As you said, every one of them won their battles. Mm. Um, in fact, so much so that McCrory's won his battle so much that Ryan Christie's now suspended for the next game because he took such a big huff. Yeah. Um, uh, the way the young boy was was uh, was bossing him. So you know, it just was one of those nights, you're right. I do want to talk about McCrory in a wee bit more detail um, because I thought his performance last night was exceptional and not for the first time. And after a couple of disappointing performances, the, the temperament that he has, I think, is ideally suited You know, for a, a professional footballer at a big club. He's very calm. He, he plays each game. You know, He doesn't play the occasion and he doesn't shrink in the shirt. He goes out and he plays the match that's in front of him. And he played with a maturity and a solidity last night that was exceptional in a boy that, as you say, doesn't yet have 10 first-team appearances. And now, we've had plenty of, of you know young hopes in the past, and of course it, it can fizzle out and whatnot, but there is something about this guy, Alex, that makes me think that we really, really might have something special there. Yeah, you just used the exact phrase I was going to use. There's just something about him. Um, a little bit different. This isn't a. I feel harsh saying it. This isn't like a, a kind of flash in the pan. Chris Buck six months, looking great, and the rest of the time not really being able to do it, or or something along those lines. This is more like you're looking at this kid thinking, hold on, this could be the real deal here. This could be, you know, I don't, I don't think he'll ever be this sort of class, but this could be a Barry Ferguson type coming through, you know. Um, just absolutely brilliant and I think last night his maturity showed at his best he got a booking in the first half and he's playing in a position where he's having to go into challenges constantly and it never affected him he didn't start pulling out of stuff he didn't you know do that thing that a 19 year old would, could quite often do dive into another daft one later on and get a second yellow he took his yellow card he changed his game up a little bit and still absolutely bossed it mm. and in the second half he was clearly clearly just dominating the game just brilliant it was was an exceptional performance and before we sort of move off individual performances a guy who has been criticised deservedly so and when I saw the team lines last night I was like really but I thought Josh Windass terrorised the Aberdeen back three especially when it was a three um, because and we're going to come to this because we don't normally focus on opposition managers but given there's a very good reason to focus on this one um that back three was disastrous against what we had last night because Pena drifted into the spaces. Miller and Windass continually took them in, uh, took them out wide where they did not want to go, which allowed Pena, obviously, but, but Jack and Holt as well to stream into the spaces. And they were completely lost. I mean, the, the, the Rangers' front line completely dominated them. And a big part of that was the amount of times, I'm watching it back again, this really impressed me, Windass got the ball with his back to goal, turned his man and went for them and they shat themselves. That back three shat themselves every time he did it. Yeah, as much as some of his final product wasn't quite there last night, um, his movement, his running, uh, it really, really stretched them. They didn't know what to do with him at all. They had no clue whatsoever. It was just a real shame he was just offside for that goal because Mm. he deserved one for that performance last night. I'm hopeful that people can see a little bit more in him, you know, obviously I, I kind of defended him recently to, to a bit of a reaction. I'm hopeful after last night and the last few games actually that people can see there's a bit of a player there. He's going to be inconsistent. He's not the finished article by any means, but um, if he if he keeps showing like that, he'll, he'll quickly change a lot of minds, I hope. Well, moving on, because as I say, it is the shorter show and uh, we, we've got a lot to pile in. Yeah. Uh, it's the same the other night, we ended up going yeah. over in 20. Um, but I, I do want to talk about Derek McInnes because strong indications are coming out from Ibrox Way um, that Derek McInnes will be the next Rangers manager and will be appointed next week. And I, by the way, I have to say that I think taking six weeks to appoint the guy we all thought was going to be appointed on day one but only after hopefully cuffing his team twice could not be more banter years could it no <laughs> that's uh, that really is peak hopefully potentially we'll just end in the past yeah ho- hopefully that's it we'll just that's it's completely done interestingly Derek McInnes signed for us in 1995 on this day 
So yeah. everything old is new again. Um, but if if it is Derek McKinnon's now, something that if you go on the Aberdeen boards, which you should do today because it's really funny, but one thing they've said, one thing I've noticed is he has a tendency to meddle, I think at times, and overthink matches. And I thought we saw that a little bit last night when they went to a back a back three and it didn't work. And credit to him, he changed it after 40 minutes um, when he put on Gary Mackay-Steven, um, who later uh, he took off for an early bath. So I hope that the police helicopter found him safely. But uh, he, he he's done this before and Rangers took massive advantage of it last night now this is not a new thing for Aberdeen Aberdeen have a t- terrible record in Glasgow and you know we saw that even last season with uh, under Mark Warburton's side who weren't playing well and obviously there was that defeat but I think the, the Malays that had set in at Rangers at that point played a large part in that and even then they were a little fortunate to get that one that night but uh, you know th- this is maybe a slight concern about a guy who some people and some sheep feel is maybe more of a, shall we say, a, a physicality and a set-piece manager. And occasionally when he goes to try to be too um, much of a, a tactician that he struggles and it sometimes backfires on him. It seems to. Um, there seems to be mountain evidence against that. I would ask this, and I've obviously been vocal is not quite the right word but I've obviously not been a, 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 a huge uh, supporter of McInnes since since the job became available. I would ask this, has any Rangers fan ever said they want him in because they think he's going to do a great job? Has any Rangers fan said they want him in because he's going to get us playing nice football? The phrase that tends to come up all the time is he'll steady the ship. Which I think right. he will. You know, If he's the man to come in I genuinely believe that we'll see less of the Dundee and Hamiltons of this world. I really do believe that. Whether or not we can then make the jump, um, but we will be at the level that at least we feel we should be by right, if if that makes sense. Yeah, OK, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and, and maybe... I don't suppose there's much wrong with that, but they're talking about this being a three-year free appointment. I don't know if you've seen Graham Murray's um, comments before the game talking about, you know, Rangers are taking their time over this because we, we need to be in five years' time. Mm. So are we, are we hiring someone? Are we, are we saying this guy will get us to a nice, solid second place? We're really not sure about his ability to make a jump up, but don't worry about that. You know, for the next few years, we'll just take second. I don't think that's what they're saying with that, but I'm also concerned that, you know, it's a slightly uninspiring choice just because no one really seems to get excited by it. It's more a sort of way, ah, well, he'll get his, he'll get his playing, you know, get his hard to beat and stuff like that, which isn't maybe not what we need. Um, in fact, I tell you what, David, here's here's the thing. Um, I'm curious uh, to see your opinion on. I believe. There's like four types of teams that win the league. Um, you've obviously got best manager, best squad, type one. That's an obvious. Type two being the man- the team with the best squad, so the manager doesn't matter. Think Celtic under Ronnie Dyler. Mm-hmm. Um, type three, good enough squad to compete, but the manager's so damn good he gets a bit more out of them. Think Sir Alec Ferguson, Sir Walter Smith, mm-hmm. done that in his second spell. Absolutely. And then type four, the ones that's just a total freak, Leicester. Right, yeah. Yes. So, well, yeah, you get that now and again. So, we're not going to. Our, our financial situation is such that it's very unlikely that we're going to have the best squad anytime soon. So that rules out option one and two from what I just said. Mm-hmm. So that leaves us free having the best manager in the league and a squad close enough that said manager wins as a or type four a total freak win. As Derek McInnes in any way a better manager than Brendan Rodgers I'm not even comparing that against you know I'm not even going to say because he's record against Rodgers because that's unfair given the, the disparity and the resources but there's nothing in, in McInnes' career nothing at all that suggests he's going to get the better be a better manager than Rodgers that's what we need to be aiming for and I'm just concerned that you know even looking at last night McInnes is, is, it was, do you know what it reminded me of McCoy's during his absolute worst he changed his system about five times during that game. Yeah. Kenny McLean played about three different positions, as did Graham Shinney. 
Um, I'm not saying that was, you know, he's an ex-McCoyce in any way, of course not, but it was reminiscent of that, where he was just like, he's no answer to what we're doing. We're not exactly, you know, doing anything major revolutionary. He he fell into exactly the same trap a couple of weeks ago with Motherwell, who played a diamond midfield and scalped them um, at Todgy. And, uh, you know, you have to wonder, why why so much overthinking? Surely Aberdeen should have been coming into that game with the mindset of we're going to play our game and we're going to change this up because we're better than them. Surely they should have been coming in with that last night, well, given everything. I think there's something in the psychological makeup of Aberdeen that because of the way that the fans interact with each other um, face-to-face and there's not a lot of interaction geographically um, as, yeah. as there may be between, say, Rangers and Celtic fans, that... Aberdeen fans uh, and Aberdeen as a club have a psychological flaw about playing in Glasgow um, and have had, I would say, since at least the mid-90s um, when regular scalpings began to occur. Because uh, yeah. up, up up till that, in my childhood anyway, Aberdeen coming to Glasgow and winning was routine. You know, it, it was something that Ferguson had changed. But it had been in their mind previously, if you read back any, any histories of Aberdeen, Bob Cramps, he wrote a good one, um, that up until Ferguson arrived, that was the mindset, and I think that it's he changed it and it stayed there for about ten years afterwards. But by ninety four, ninety five, it, it had gone. So you need to take that into account as well. I agree. I mean, I think that the, the idea of changing when you saw the team that Rangers had out, why you wouldn't just tell your lads to play what they usually do, um, that surprised me. We don't know their situations with injuries or whatever, but I do know that that the Aberdeen fans were a bit surprised to see that lineup and to see the way that they the the way that they shaped up. And as you say, it reminded me. You spoke of Ali. It reminded me of Alec McLeish at Tynecastle one time. We lost one 0 to George Burley's Heartside, where we started with a novel formation and and did literally change three times in the first thirty minutes, and you could see it. Um, so it's never a good thing. I I wonder if, and I understand this after getting burned by it, that the board have tried the if you like the swing for the fences appointment, and now they're going. We're not going to get the home run in one hit. We're going to need to, you know, knock it and and get four singles. To, if I can use that analogy, yeah, um, to to get round, and they're going for a guy who's going to comfortably be able to get us to the level that we need to get to. If you like, he's not going to take us where we want to go, but he's he's going to take us up the road. You know, we've hit we're hitchhiking, and maybe this guy will get us halfway. And personnel get us, and maybe if in two, three years' time the club is stable, we've earned more money, we've got into Europe, we will be able to attract a better class of player and a better class of manager the next time round. Now that is, you know, you're right, a strange thought process for when you're hiring a brand new manager, but it's maybe something in the back of their mind. And I think we've said often enough that they can't do another left field risky appointment. The amount of candidates are limited. Not just up here, you look at England, you know, the look at the managers who've been hired down there this season. You know, Big Sam, Alan Pardew, Roy Hodgson. So and we all know that if a club's struggling the next one they'll hire is Tony Pulis regardless yep. of his recent travail. So um the conservative decision making approach is not unique to us. And I think you saw that. As to your point, and it's a very good one, I agree with it incidentally, I suppose it comes down to whether or not we think that this Derek McInnes is the finished article and this is as good a manager as he is, or if, like players, they can develop at a better club, at a bigger club, with more resources, with better training facilities, etc., etc. Now... In his defence, I think that Derek McInnes has shown a very good eye for a player on his budget. I think that when he doesn't do the over-management, he's very good at finding players to fit a certain system, you know, and complement each other. So you would hope on a slightly bigger canvas if he was to do that, then we might be able to get something. And then, you know, there's maybe, if you like, an addendum to um, point four, which is when... A team shouldn't win the league but do because they they have a solidity and there's maybe problems on the other side. Because at some point, you know, Celtic's arc is going to end. It should have ended last night in terms of the the defeats and it's coming and you can see that from the result. And, 
you know, we've seen the peak of that side, I think. And it can be like 10 in a row season, you know, 97-98. I remember where that Celtic team shouldn't have beat us to the league, but in a way, the combination of their, if you like, stolidness and our downswing kind of intersected at the point that was able to, to, to take them in at first. So, I mean, that at the moment, it's all... We don't even know if McInnes is getting the job. As I say, it's likely, but we don't even know. But, uh, yeah, it, it does come down to whether or not you believe he can develop as a coach. When Derek McInnes arrives at Ibrox, if Derek McInnes arrives at Ibrox as manager, he does not start off as the best manager in that league, no. Then what you have to wonder is, can he develop into... Or is he the finished article as a coach? That's as good as he's going to be and nothing's going to change. And and I don't know, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I would hope, if, if he's the next man, that he can improve. Um, I just find that to be somewhat rare. Uh, you know, overall, I think you can you can tend to tell quite early in a, manager, a manager's career if they're going to, going to go a bit further or not. Um, and obviously sometimes you get that wildly wrong but uh, you know you mentioned uh, all the all the managers in England there they, they all get hired for exactly the same jobs year after year um, so it's, it's difficult to say any of them are ever improving you know mm. um, are worth kind of you know showing a bit better the next time round or anything like that so so sometimes managers just get to a level quite quickly, and that's that. That probably happens more often than not. So statistically, you would you would worry from that. I hope so. I hope it would. Be, hopefully, it comes into a Rangers that's getting them a better a better backing than both Warburton and Kashinya had when they took the job. I think that the next managers actually got a better situation than the last two. So that alone should help them um, if you can just concentrate as you should be able to on first team affairs and doesn't have everything else that's going on uh, now that we've got a structure in place that might help you know because he doesn't have that quite so much at Aberdeen so maybe the, the extra distractions up there are part of the reason why um, you know his, his coaching side of things can take a bit of a dent at times uh, but yeah I hope he can improve it's certainly possible and yeah we're also in a situation we can't sign finished articles on the park so it's maybe a bit unrealistic to expect them off it as well to be fair I think for me the, the, the thing with Derek McInnes Alex is that he's not somebody I think who can fulfil your dreams but nor is he somebody who's going to cause you nightmares and I think that that's that's what he is and that's maybe why we keep coming back to this kind of solid but unspectacular thing because under Warburton there were points we could dream when Pedro was appointed and the way he spoke and whatnot, there were points we, that we could dream. I don't think you'll ever get that under Derek McInnes. You know, you, you'll always be grounded in reality. But equally, I don't think he's going to oversee many out-and-out disasters either. So it, it's a strange one because Rangers are appointing potentially a manager that their fans aren't massively excited about from a club whose fans aren't massively disappointed to to lose him. And yet it seems a very sensible move. It's... it's it, it really is a conundrum. It really is an odd situation. I think you were right in it and saying what you said earlier. If we're limiting ourselves, and Dave King's comments today suggest that, if we're looking for someone with experience of Scottish and British football, right now the talent pool is very shallow there. Um, so, you know, and, and then add in the limitations that we've got in terms of wages that we're able to pay, things like that. Yeah, it's, it does seem like the obvious, sensible choice. It's just, uh, you know, not the inspiring one, and and maybe that's maybe that's good. I don't know. I, I'm I'm one of those guys that thinks it's going to take a few years anyway. So you know, your point earlier about him getting us up so far up the road, and then maybe someone better coming in if he doesn't kick on to a higher level himself. That's you know, that, I'm not entirely against that. It's just that I know that the vast majority of fans are far far more worried than I am about Celtic winning 10 in a row um, I'm not saying that my view is any you know, any more correct it just it doesn't quite wind me up as much as it, as it seems to with others um, and if you know, if Derry McInnes is a two or three year stopgap before someone better comes in we're running out a bit tight you know mm. um, so so there's you know there's that side of things I don't think um, we can if, if and I'd imagine Dave King wants to if Dave King wants to stop Celtic winning 10 in a row then he should really be looking at this managerial appointment now being the guy who can do that 
And as things stand, I'm just not convinced McInnes is that guy. Mm. I've got to say, though, I share your thought. It doesn't count. It's not 10 in a row. And, you know, Rangers fans get annoyed by it. I don't understand because uh, you know, Celtic fans can kid themselves on about it. Because, I mean, they, could, they, they, they claim we don't exist, you know, it's, so fuck it. Yeah. We, we can't make decisions based on the fantasies of Celtic supporters. It doesn't count. Um, nobody cares. And if we allow the narrative to be set by that, then I think it's going to do us more harm than good. So, no, for me... Uh, just concentrate on being the best Rangers we can be. It was the same last night when people were saying, "Ah, the you know Celtic have equalised." I don't care. Rangers played well, and that's all that matters. It's only about what we do, and we got the result. Uh, of course, you know Celtic's penalty was laughable, but um, I think on a night where our, our third goal was probably offside, um, yeah. then you know we let's just enjoy what we did and move on. Now, Alex, how does this affect Sunday? Because this is a unique situation. You know, we've seen clubs where the managers maybe just been about to go to another team, play each other. That's happened before, but not twice in three days just before it happens. This feels unique. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I can't think of one off the top of my head like that. Um, so as such, I'm not going to try and factor that in, if I'm honest. Uh, I'm going to factor in a couple of things that have been going on. Aberdeen haven't lost two league games in their own over a year. Um, we saw them get an absolute scalping off of Motherwell in the, in the quarter-final of the League Cup and then play Motherwell again a few days later and beat them in the league. Mm. Um, so we know that McInnes, he must be able to learn lessons if he doesn't you know, he doesn't lose consistently at any point in the last year and he's able to turn it around against the same team. I know he lost against Motherwell again later, but you know that's, uh, that was kind of... That, that, that was much later rather than the, than the very next game. So you can certainly learn lessons. He's got a decent squad there. We're travelling to their place. It affects Sunday from us only in the sense that we've gained a bit of confidence from that performance and hopefully some players will be able to maintain that and kick on. But ultimately, um, our expectations should be round about the same. And I would imagine before the kick-off last night, our expectation on Sunday would have been pretty low. Mm. You know, we, we, we shouldn't expect much more, but we've given ourselves a bit more hope to, to go beyond that, I would say. I think conversely, we spoke about Aberdeen's uh, mental flaw about coming to Glasgow. Then I think it's different when they get people on their own patch, which is you know common throughout football. So their fans will be up for it. But I, th- I do think that the whole McKenna situation colours this match. I think it will create a slightly strange atmosphere. And I think that for this Rangers team, I could just keep playing this over and over, but it's true. If we get the first goal, um, you know, it's so key it can alter the atmosphere. If they get the first goal and we look a bit shapeless, as can sometimes happen with us, and a bit panicky, then I really believe that this game, even more so than a far more so than I believe last night, um, is really a pick 'em. I think it just comes down to on the day. I think Aberdeen and Rangers could play each other you know, home and away over the next six weeks and you could get any combination of results at the moment because I think you've got two teams who, for various reasons, have things in their head that affect the match and, you know, it could it could come down on, on Sunday to, as I say, something as simple as who gets the first goal, gets the bounce, the, the, the rub of the green and goes on and, and takes the game by the scruff of the neck. I'd... Imagine their players will, on a personal level, have their pride wounded at the way that they were bossed by those Rangers players. So I'd expect them to be fired up. And they are a physically imposing side. We we are a kind of small side, generally, the exception of the odd one or two players. So I would expect them to be a bit more fired up. Tactically, you would expect them to go back to the way they normally play. For us, will we have different players back? Morelos might be back. Will we play that same system now they've seen it? It's it's there's so many variables in this match it, it could go either way I, I mean I think if we score early I think we go and beat them believe it or not handily I think if they score early it could it could go the other way it's it's such a tight one to call as yeah but at least we've put ourselves in a situation with last night where even if you know getting, getting beat at Pataji happens to some great Rangers squads never mind you know this one so um, so at least we put ourselves in a situation where we're not going in there looking at dropping 12 points behind them if it happens you know what I mean yeah. um, you're right I think an early goal makes a big difference to this team it really does um, all of our performances have shown that so far or even just the first goal not even just an early goal but the first goal um, I would imagine the away fans are going to have a bit of fun singing Derek McInnes' name 
Um, which will be quite funny to see his own fans booing the away fans doing that. Yeah. Um, because even if, he, even if he's not the man that's going to be announced, we probably won't hear anything further until next week. So that speculation is only going to mount, and, and you know the fans will have a bit of fun with that. Um, so, so yeah, you're right. I, I, the only reason I was discounting all of that was just because I have no idea how it's going to affect it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the other things which you know we, we do kind of we have seen in the past, and and we do have a bit more of a handle on. I'd imagine Aberdeen will play a hell of a lot better, and I think we're going to have to play even better than we did last night if we want to win the game, and that would be difficult given the level of performance that we gave last night. Mm, I think so. I think we need at least six or seven of those players to hit those levels. But then, we, you know, you introduce Morelos back into the side. That's a bonus for us. Uh, that's a great option for us to have. And I like the way that the if the guys win their individual battles, which they've shown they can do, then, you know, we're in with a really, really good chance. But uh, who knows? I'm going to pick a draw because I, I genuinely do think that it wouldn't be a bad result for us given the other one. And in a game like this that's so tight, I, I, I'm going to go, I think it might be a bit of a thriller and uh, I fancy it to be maybe two each. Okay, do you know what? I'm just going to do the same as I've done for the Wednesday game. I'm just going to say we're going to win this one. Um, no, two one one actually, but uh, I kind of yeah, as you say, a bit of a, a good game, a nice open game of football. I think we'll see both teams have a go at each other, um, and uh, we, we'll just just edge it. Um, and part of that, hopefully, will be about uh, yeah, just just having a, another good performance, some confidence from last night. Be great though if like you know it was two each at the end, five minutes to go, and he took off his goalkeeper and put on. A centre back. <laughs> that would be perfect, Jeff. Throw Adam Rooney in goals for yeah. the last ten minutes. Yeah, that, that. that that would be cool. I, I would appreciate that. But uh, moving on, then of course there was something else massive happened this week at Rangers, which was the AGM, which took place uh, today, Thursday, as we were recording at the uh, SEC, as it's now known. They've dropped the C, uh, as of we now that Scott's left. But. Uh, uh, not an awful lot of concrete developments, uh, but the book says uh, Andy, our podder, had mentioned a couple of weeks ago, are, are looking decent. The main sort of plus point of that in the chairman's statement was the the breaking of the deal with Sports Direct. Um, <laughs> there wasn't really a lot in the way of, of huge announcements, I felt, that uh, in terms of things maybe the fans had been pushing to sell to remove from the broom loan, that was something that the board... Um, I think were lukewarm at best too. There was talk from the board about uh, or a commitment to have talks um, with Club eighteen seventy two about supporters representation. Although the feeling that they're not at the the point at the moment where they can appoint independent directors to the board. And I thought that you know Dave King was was quite combative, um, quite spiky. Uh, some people and myself among them felt that there was certain kind of Murray-esque traits of you know we're the board you need to let us be in charge because he spoke at the start about the difference between emotional shareholders who are people like me and you um, who buy shares not ever expecting or caring about a return but to um, because it's a club and the demand for success on the park and then institutional shareholders or other type of shareholders who expect a return um, a financial return and that how it's the board's duty to to look after both of those and that they can't be forced into to quick decisions. They, they also defended uh, the appointment of Pedro Cashina and the process it took and the length of time that it's taken to appoint a, a, a new manager this time. Um, he feels that no criticism was due to the board over the appointment of Pedro due to the process that they followed was solid. And he also spoke about the the way that the system has been changed at Ibrox, as you touched on earlier, where the director of football and a full scouting team has been put in place, so progress has been made there. Alex, what were your thoughts on the AGM? Um, certainly didn't go down well with a number of the fans, did it? Uh, you're right, there was no nothing major come out of it. Yeah, we're talking about you know a new retail deal, Negotiations starting, things like that, but we kind of knew that was coming anyway. Um, just having a time scale on it now doesn't really make much of a difference there. Uh, you know, there, there would have been hope for a bit more clarity around the new manager, and that's possibly been done through comments and hints and all the rest of it. Um, but not, you know, nothing absolutely solidly concrete that fans could take away from it. It's still a bit speculative. 
Overall, yeah, it wasn't. I, I wonder if they knew there was a chance it was going to be quite, quite a difficult one, and they've went there with their backs up before it's even started. You know, I got that um, impression. I got that impression yeah. that they saw it as something to be got through, as opposed to something to be used as an opportunity. Um, yeah. which we spoke about in the, the pod on Monday, that can happen when you're, you're in a role in a very demanding customer base. Um, and I felt, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I thought that's what they did. Yeah, they, they, they've, been, they've been a bit, you know, in the trenches straight away, which tends to, let's be honest, Dave King loves that, I think. Um, he likes a little bit of confrontation regardless of who it's with. Um I defended on one of the pods earlier, I defended the process when it comes to the hiring of the manager. Um, as I said at the time, just because Kishinia wasn't the right man doesn't mean the process was wrong. So with that, I, I, can, I, I can totally agree with him. Laboured the point about the non-emotional shareholders, or, or however he put it. Um, that he went on a fair bit about that, and I think he's trying to warn us that we're not quite there yet. In terms of being self-sustaining, without you know coming out and saying everybody panic if this guy leaves, you know, mm. um, I think I think that's kind of what the point was there. He's like, look, I've got some people I need to keep happy here to keep the lights on, so you know, just try and remember that. Um, yeah, it's the sort of thing. I think the AGMs over the years. I mean, you're right, David Murray set a tone with them. Um, when was the last good one? <laughs> I mean, I think that we've seen the Nadir, uh, and I don't think today was anywhere near that. Um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that there are situations where, I, I think for all companies, I mean, uh, being a bit of a sad bastard, I've watched other company AGMs over the years, fascinated particularly with companies that are, you know, that do well and then like, grind to a halt quickly. And they're yeah. always like that. You know, the, you, you don't get revelations. You don't get dramatic intercessions where someone, you know, says uh Jacques and, you know, yes. things it, it doesn't it doesn't really happen, uh, you know, except with the exception of when they're on an island for their own protection, uh and yeah. bomber stood up. It it doesn't really happen. So possibly yes, it's a case of maybe unrealistic expectations of what can what can be achieved in these situations. And yeah, I mean I agree with you. I I think King is a spiky guy. I think he does like a bit of a battle and I think that that's and I can totally understand that. I think, you know, that's uh, at times my approach is I'm the, the type of guy who does better when he's got something to kick against as opposed to um you know when you're when you've then won the battle in this case he's what is it uh, in the Godfather that you know sometimes you need a wartime conciliary and sometimes you need a peacetime conciliary and some guys are better yeah. at one than better than the other. Um, so yeah, I mean I, I do think there was that, and I think some fans because of the old Murray era and because of the the spivs, even though I don't think anyone considers this lot uh, even comparable with the last lot, but I do think that some fans you know take that as, if you like, almost a patronising attitude of you lot got over-emotional, you know, shut up, sit down and let us experts go on with running the club. And I don't think it's that. I mean, I really don't. I don't think this board are contemptuous of the support, uh, although there may be one or two individuals around the club who are, but I don't think that this board as a whole are. But I do think that they believe that they know better um, than the average fan and I suppose the, the, the counter argument is well it's their job too and they should because if they don't then what are they doing in those positions but against that I can understand the frustration of fans who maybe feel that after coming in on the back of, of fan populism and uh, with promises of transparency and whatnot, that they're not getting that from the board. So I, I think it's one of these situations where possibly there's right on both sides and also maybe wrong on both sides. Yeah, that seems fair. So potentially unrealistic expectations from both. We expect maybe a bit more than, than we really should from them. And they probably expect more from us than they should in terms of you know patience or, or an understanding of you know those sort of business aspects of a club which 99% of fans don't really care about or would rather not care about. We were forced to care about them for a long time. Yeah. Um, we, we would rather not. We just want who's who's going to be our next manager, what we're looking at with signings, is anybody stopping Carlos Pena drinking 10 pints a night? You know, that, that's our concerns. So 
you know, they, they may be unrealistic in their expectations in terms of, you know, they, they maybe think those concerns aren't, shouldn't be as big to us as they are, but that's not true either. So, so yeah, I think you're right. I think on both sides, there's, there's right and wrong there. I would hope, after everything the Rangers have went through, that no board is ever given an easy ride by the fans ever again. Um, no matter how good they are, I would hope that we are consistently questioning the process what the longer term future is and everything else because it was a little bit of there was a slight bit of complacency about the fans at the time of, of Murray's exit and White coming in there was there was a little bit of complacency and we never we've learned a lesson and I hope we never do that again so yeah as much as I'm saying there's never been a good AGM blah 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 possibly there never should be again we should be asking questions of everybody um, and uh, you know maybe not such a bad thing uh, to, to have this to have this slight divide you know uh, they're not I suppose let's put it let's take it positive this way David they could tell us what we want to hear no problem they're smart enough to do that they could tell us what we want to hear David Murray done it for years mm-hmm. um, and kept fans on side by doing that they could tell us what we want to hear no problem they're not doing that they're trying to be a bit more realistic with the expectations, trying to temper that a bit and yeah, it pisses us off, but probably better to be a bit pissed off in this situation than it is to be just placated, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to, to give you an example, um, the, the Royal Bank of Scotland, if you go back and look at their AGMs over the years, where everything was happy-clappy because everything seemed to be going so well, they had a powerful figure in charge and their shareholders, who were all institutional, but you know, they were in it for a profit. Yeah. They nodded through everything. In fact, they nodded that company into the hands of the government uh, because that that's what can happen. So you're right. It, as a forum for question, we should always question the board as a support. Now, obviously, given my background, um, you know, troublemaking supporters rep once yeah. upon a time, that that I, I'm clearly going to lean towards that. But that's what I believe. I believe that the the club's fans should always ask more and always say that's great. But what's next? And I, I do believe that that's a, a, a reasonable expectation for a board to have. And while sometimes it might go off, you know, that's why successful clubs stay successful. It happens with football players, you know. The ones who want to bask on what they've done don't do well. It's the ones who go, right, that was yesterday, what we're going to win next, that have, you know, that go on to have those careers. So I, I think it's the same. Uh, off the field as well I think you're right it's perfectly acceptable Um, and for a fans group you know it's Club 1872 at the moment you have to be as a fans group and as a fans rep the conscience of the club and if 99 things are correct and you notice the 100th isn't you have to mention and point out and press for that 100th thing to be fixed that's your job that's why you exist Um, and I mean, for me, I'm I'm personally very surprised that, that Club 1872 haven't kicked down the door and demanded a place on the board because I think with 10% of the representation, uh, they've got a more than valid case. But you know, t- time will tell. As I say, there was uh, encouraging noises made today, but no more than that. You know, it was encouraging noises made about fan representation. But we've been here before, and I, I think now it's the time for all those people, all those investors. I'm one of them in Club 1872. To um, I, I think the time has come really to have something concrete now, rather than well, we promise in the future that we might consider doing something. I don't. I don't think that washes anymore. No, it doesn't. Um, the yeah, that that is the closest to a kind of soundbite type thing. If they don't follow up pretty quickly on it, you know the whole. I don't worry, we'll get round to that. Uh, I, I remember being disappointed with the board straight away when uh, Chris Graham was appointed when they first came in, and then obviously very quickly, you know, taken away from that position because of some unfortunate jokes on Twitter. Um, and then, you know, there was, so there was this idea, bring Chris Graham in, there's your kind of supporters rep on the board, great. He gets taken out of the position, he wasn't replaced, really, was he? You know, there was no there was no move, there was no, like, okay, well, that was the idea we had, sorry about that with this guy, but we'll get someone else in, you know? It was just sort of put by the wayside, so mm. it almost felt like a token gesture in the first place. Um, so the worry is that, you know, by, by them saying those sort of things that they have to be, it's another kind of token gesture. You're right, club 1872 need to get in there. I think part of the problem for them is that it's still a rather new organisation, you know, mm-hmm. still in its infancy. So it has its own issues to kind of get through first. 
Um, I, I don't claim to know anything about the politics behind, the, the, you know, the, the, the supporters' clubs and trusts over the years and stuff. And I know there seems to be plenty anytime someone's name's mentioned. There's, you know, big furore over that person or this person. I don't really know enough about it, but you know, they've got to get a kind of a better structure in place probably, and, and make sure if they were to get a place on the board, who's going to kind of lead that process? They probably don't know that at the moment, and that may be why they're not knocking down the door yet, but. Um, but hopefully, hopefully it'll be soon because, it, as we pointed out, it's, it's definitely, definitely a strength to have someone nipping at the heels of absolutely everything mm-hmm. on behalf of the fans. Definitely, totally agree, totally agree, mate. Okay, then, folks. Uh, one other thing, which is pretty major in the light, uh, the life of Heart and Hand, is that uh, as you know, we've been trailing for a few weeks. On Wednesday, December the sixth, we launch our subscription service. But people were asking me, can they go and sign up beforehand? And, and I hadn't made the page live yet. So I thought I would do that on Wednesday and the response has been staggering. At, at recording time, we had 750 subscribers. I cannot thank you enough from the bottom of my heart. Thank you very much for um, financially backing us and putting your trust in us to deliver good content. So there are some things up there. I'm going to put this show on it just because if people now have, have downloaded the, the Patreon app, they'll be able to get everything in one place or Patreon or however you pronounce it. I've, I've used about 40 different ones. No one's it. Someone tell me right what the correct pronunciation of this fucking thing is. Uh, and and I'll start using it. Patreon, I'm going to go with till I hear different. But so I, I put a couple of shows up there yesterday just to demonstrate how it works in terms of rapidly getting things up there. That this is now the way that I'll be able to do that. And there's going to be, as we've we've spoken about before, daily updates. We're going to have loads of new shows. We've mentioned the Advocate Years. We've mentioned the Gallant Pioneers. We've mentioned Alex kicks off the debate show against Cami for the. Um, uh, on the topic of whether or not Kenny Miller is a, a Rangers legend so th- th- those are the first week but then we've got so many other things in the pilot honestly I mean those, that's the tip of the iceberg it's not going to be those three and nothing else there's going to be so much more happening on that and as soon as anything happens that's the place where stuff will pop up you'll still get this show here it is you'll still get the Monday show but th- if you want extra content that's the place to go and it will be varied and it will be different so if you want to sign up um, 750 people have already done so please go and join them um, you can chat away to them in there as well there's also a facility to sit and have conversations so that's a, a, another bonus of it uh, you can go just go to Patreon that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com forward slash heart and hand and sign up and it's $1.99 a month or $3.99 a month two different tiers you pick which one you feel more comfortable with and uh, obviously you get slightly more stuff in the 3.99 one than you do with the 1.99 one but it's in dollars to make it cheaper incidentally that's the reason we've done it some people have said well my bank charges if it's in dollars well in that case use PayPal but the overall reason that we've done it is most banks don't and it's cheaper therefore it works out at 150 a month I mean I'm giving this away this stuff trust me it is going to be worth it I promise you that so please go and sign up if you like the show and you want to support it this is the ideal way to do it you don't have to listen to everything right you, you really don't it will be worth it just for the Alex versus Cami the confrontation that, that trust me is going to be worth it but the other thing is the uh, at, on Saturday night Heart and Hand uh, returns for its next live show with uh, one off new podder Kevin Thompson so we're very much looking forward to that and uh, it's been a pretty exciting week in the world of Heart and Hand and I want to thank you all for listening for the support for giving us the opportunity to do all of this and we hope that you're going to enjoy everything that we've got lined up over the next few months because there's, there's lots and lots of stuff happening and I think you will enjoy it so with that all that it means for me to do is to thank an executive producer in London Mr Knightley and Miss Paul Miles and to thank the wonderful and very patient and finally allowed to come on and talk about a win Mr Alex Staff yeah thanks a lot David it's been a more than a pleasure. Thank you. Um, so I'll be back here on Monday um, with the, the new pod after our trip to Audrey, but obviously I'll do the YouTube. Uh, again, please go and subscribe, Heart and Hand uh, YouTube channel, and it is just youtube.com forward slash Heart and Hand podcast and that one. And um, you'll be able to get the instant reaction to the video. There'll also be something on uh, Patreon. And uh, we'll be back on Monday. My name's David Edgar. Thank you for listening. Bye.
Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.